Welcome to the Trash Cats Trash Cast. I'm Richard. I'm Steven. And today we're chilling. Straight chilling. My cat's asleep on the couch. This this episode's gonna be so fucking chill. I'm not even kicking my cat out of the room. Oh man, she's gonna wake up in 30 minutes. I know. And then she'll start making a bunch of noise and bu- she's a bully. She she hurts me all day. <laughs> she meows at me and then hits me in the face with her soft paws, and I have to I have to protect myself. It's terrible. But she's asleep for now, so I think we're okay for a little bit. <laughs> I think my cat makes fun of me for being fat. When I'm laying down and she'll come over to me and she'll knead into my fat rolls. Oh yeah. That and she just she nice. does it, you know, like a little bit like I get it. That's just cat behavior, but she does it a lot. And it's just a little too hard. Yeah, like she's looking at me like, you know, you hey, have Mr. all this. Pizza. Yeah, hey, Mr. Pizza. <laughs> Give me some of that dough. <laughs> yeah, let me get some of that that dough, all the rolls <laughs> on you. <laughs> Over here kneading the rolls. <laughs> Honestly, man, last week if if anyone hasn't listened, we just did our Satanism episode, and that was I feel like we did really good. That was a high intensity, a lot of research, a lot of reading. That I enjoyed it a all, lot. All credited, all credited to you as uh, as obvious by this sentence. I <laughs> fucked up reading a whole lot. Stephen had a lot of work editing on that one. I it honestly i enjoyed the subject matter so much it didn't feel that bad but it was a a lot to get done and th- i'm very excited just to hang out chill we got fun drama stuff and weirdness to look at but just like chill vibes we can do whatever the fuck we want to do today yeah yeah how's your week man um it's been good um it's the first week since the um you know the the nearing end of the uh food truck season so i've been pretty fucking chill i had the last three days off that was cool it's amazing it was fucking incredible so you're getting your life back your winter life yeah i got my um i took sunday and i my body was just sore and tired so i took the week or i took the day to just kind of veg and do jack shit and i made plans for like what i'm gonna do you know monday tuesday and i got a bunch of shit done um just shit i've neglected around the house so dude isn't that it felt nice isn't it crazy like how accumulative damage is to your body like oh my god yeah like you'll think you're doing okay and then you finally get a chance to like get some rest and relaxation and you're like holy fuck like i'm fucked up right now my joints hurt my muscles are yeah i think that's like that's (laughs) i mean i don't know the science on it for sure but i assume that that's got something to do with like your brain protecting you your brain's like we still have shit to do yeah we can't deal with this right now have to stay giant for a little longer before you can be a a small person yeah (laughs) (laughs) can't be a little person yet you gotta i was a little person on sunday (laughs) that's a great time for it yeah i i actually got like a a, a full sl- night of sleep last Whoa. night I went, I went to bed at 2 p.m and i felt at 2 p.m d- <laughs> 2 a.m okay i also <laughs> don't know how to read gonna clocks, say god so. damn that's a long sleep dog <laughs> it was a long slumber no i felt so much better i was like i gotta i really have to sleep more it's absurd so wait 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 you got a full night's sleep. You went to sleep at 2 a.m. What time did you wake up? Seven. So I got five hours. That's a full and- night of sleep. 
for a week night for a weekday that's a full night because six is my minimum so monday through friday total i'm getting under 25 hours of sleep that's fucked that's so fucked dude in high school there were weeks where i was sleeping under 10 hours that's fucked like i was like this explains a lot yeah you you are you are destroying yourself mentally yeah so when i but on the weekends i'll sleep 12 hours at a time i'm like catching up so i just got to get a little bit better about it during the week and last night i just i had the whole bed to myself and i was just chilling the fuck out felt so good to actually sleep (laughs) full starfish mode full starfish permadonked <laughs> that's that's what happened to me on uh sunday actually i woke up thinking like i'm gonna get shit done and i uh i think i was i woke up at 7 30 just because i'm used to waking up you know around six seven ish anyway so like 7 30 was still sleeping in a little bit and i i got up and i got a cup of coffee and i sat down and like within within forty five minutes or so, I realized it's just not going to happen today. Yeah, it's just I need to I need to sit down, and that's just okay. And you're good at sneaking naps in when you're able to, like in chill chill days. Yeah, there's definitely been. Um, I mean, I know there. I know there are certain days when I have like a long day at work and I come home, and it's like if I nap now. I I can get a little bit of shit done later, but it's not going to be like if I just go do it instead. That's usually my better option, but sometimes it's just it makes sense. And yeah, see, that's, yeah, I'm a sneaking app, and my cat's good at reminding me to do that too. She gets up on me and like, all right, sit down, motherfucker. You've been at work for for seven hours. You need to, you know, come play with me, come pet me. See, on that's the reason I don't sleep. So like, when I was using. I would I would stay up late at night doing devious activities, various <laughs> assorted perversions. And I would <laughs> I would no matter how fucked up I was getting during the day, like I would always save like a Xanny bar, a 20 bag, something, and I would just I would stay up as late as I had to until my girlfriend would fall asleep. And then I would get high like one more time. And chill during the night, right? Mm-hmm. And that was like my sacred time. The right? nocturnal hours, yeah. Yeah, and now sober, it, it's the same thing. I, I can't be still, so I'm always fucking working. And at night, it's like the only time I can actually relax. Like as, as long as I'm sneaky, I have a private <laughs> nocturnal life to myself where I can... I can do all the things I want to do or enjoy doing like simple things without yeah. feeling like where, where it's instead of like feeling like I'm losing my day. It's just like, I know I'm going to feel shitty, but I always feel shitty. So like I might as well enjoy that time. Right. It's it's just yeah. like a try, hard to find the balance with it. The, the first time I ever felt that was in, I, I remember was in college. So I, I had, you know, some of that at a minor level before, but I lived with my parents and it was like the, the sneaky aspect of it was much higher. Yeah. But like what I was actually doing was like, you know, watching TV or, you know, like just general staying up, you know, going to make snacks in the kitchen or something. Fuck yeah. But it wasn't like, 
I was getting anything done. When I went to college, I realized like there's no there's no law here. I can do whatever I want. So <laughs> a, law- a lawless land. <laughs> yeah, that's Toronto, baby. The, <laughs> so I would stay up and like until like four or five o'clock in the morning, fucking you know just drawing shit and yeah. um, you know chain smoking cigarettes for a little while. Mm. Uh, but those fuckers were expensive, so I had to not do that anymore. There. When you think back on it, it's like you don't remember the how tired you were that week. You you have like memories of like I remember being up really late and drawing something really cool. Exactly. Like, yeah, I remember getting all this cool stuff done and like the 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 solitude. I say that to yeah. people all the time when they you know like I don't know. I, I love the solitude right now in my life. Yeah, you know, it's one of those I've, I've I almost got on like you know Hinge and Bumble and those way mm-hmm. earlier in the year and it was like all right this is a bad time for me to get started on this because i'm about to be working busy as you fun. know 50 something hours a week and that's not a good time to start trying to date in my opinion but also i really don't i really don't have a drive to do that right now i'm just the winter would be a good time for it. yeah exactly yeah but I, 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 i'm I know, down with it now I know what you mean. but even still it's like i really like my own space, space and my own time it's like why would i You know, I find somebody I want to share it with. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that I've definitely felt that before in between, you know, being with people, Mm -hmm. you know, and being single. I enjoy it. And then the right person comes along and you're like, oh, yeah, no, I definitely. Yeah, I want to spend all of my time with this person. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy how getting to that point and taking that step. And it's like I'm choosing to not do it right now because I just don't. I at least want a couple months of like chilling by myself before I get back into it. But yeah, awesome. winter time is the great would time. Be the time. Yeah. Find someone to keep warm with. Damn right. Isn't it crazy how like whether it's a friend or romantic partner or just like whatever, like one cool person can like dramatically shape your life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I have uh like I have this a friend podcast. coming over. Yeah, exactly. No, it's huge. This podcast is like, I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Like, I I look at this as a way of like, you and I, you know, like you you always were much better about reaching out to me, um, because because yeah. I I don't take that my personality type. I just don't take that, you know, initiative, and I feel bad about it because I usually I'm thinking about somebody a lot more than I reach out to them, but. It, um, I'm with you. That it's an excuse to hang out. Like without yeah. it, even if I was trying and you were trying a lot, we still wouldn't have been. You know, we wouldn't be hanging out as much. Like the right, like meeting, bumping into the right person at, at a coffee shop can change how years of your life will look. Like yeah. that's it's so interesting how like even people that are introverted and enjoy solitude and privacy. As much as we do, still mm-hmm. like the right person, just like when they fall into place at the right time, it, it changes so much. Yeah. yeah. That my my last relationship was really good. It was healthy. So like I I I know there was a period of time where for me it was like, I'm not I'm not gonna find that all right off the bat. And I, you know, fucked around a little bit and it was like not I just wasn't finding anything that was worth, you know, nothing nothing stuck, you know. Like I had fun for a little bit and then nothing stuck and it was like, all right, well, we just fucking focus on me for a minute and get my shit together first and then Yeah. 
They'll find you. Yeah. Speaking of relationships, I went on a a date to the aquarium over the weekend. Hell yeah. I haven't been to the Newport Aquarium. It's probably been like five years. Me and Sarah always talk about going and we just, it's one of those things. It's hard to find a day where you have, where two people both have enough time to make a day Mm -hmm. out of it and you have a hundred bucks to burn, you know? So we finally went and God damn, I wish I could see exotic fish every day of my life, every single day. I fucking, they're aliens, dude. They're just aliens in little glass tanks of water. They're so fucking cool. I could look at the patterns and like light reflecting through their scales forever, every single day. I fucking love it. Hell I, yeah. saw, I saw uh, an upside down Asian catfish and it, to- it took me. 10 minutes to realize it was actually upside down (laughs) (laughs) they're like the black metal catfish they're that deep deep purple that's almost black and all their whiskers and fins are like extra spiked and it oh man they got those blue cold dead shark eyes (laughs) so cool i don't think i've been there in 10 dude i think it's been over 15 so i think the last time i went i was it might have been a school trip. Yeah. That sounds about right. It was so goddamn long ago. Yeah, the exhibits have changed an awful lot. It actually, was like new, I think, the last time I went. Yeah. Actually, you know, breeding um, koi fish mm-hmm. is actually big money. Oh, yeah, it is. 10K a koi. Yeah, the motherfuckers are ridiculous expensive. Yeah, and some people that there's like the the whole black market. I know someone that breeds koi fish, but there's also a secondary blacker market where you breed goldfish, mm-hmm. and they grow as big as their container relatively, and you can get them to grow to the size of koi fish, and they look as beautiful, if not more, sometimes because they can get really diverse patterns and shit, and people will sell those illegally for the same price hell this yeah whole koi scam market that, that really yeah that black market koi koi <laughs> market there so cool but dude i had a, a couple funny encounters at the aquarium i uh <laughs> so i always carry a knife because i live on the west side of cincinnati and as a teenager i constantly would get kicked out of Newport on the levee for either smoking cigarettes or having uh-huh. a knife. Or, just be, just being a teenager? Yeah, just being rowdy as fuck. <laughs> and I'm with Sarah. We're walking in to the aquarium. And I realize as I'm walking in, I'm like, fuck it. I got my knife on me. I'm like, God damn it. I don't want to walk all the way back to the car. So I was like, you know what? We're just going to go in. And immediately, anywhere I go, this is why I can't steal I can never be a thief because I'm immediately profiled everywhere I go. (laughs) And (laughs) as soon as I walk in, some 15-year-old kid is like, sir, I need you to step aside. (laughs) (laughs) Instantly pulled out of line by a 15-year-old. And he's like, what do you got in your pockets? And I was like, dude, I got a lot of stuff, including a knife. (laughs) (laughs) And they bring over like, Two adults, his managers. Uh-huh. And I have like phones, wallets, vapes, keys, and a <laughs> a big pocket knife. And they're like, 
you got all that? And they're like, all right, let me scan you. They scan me. They give me my knife back and just let me go in. And I'm like, well, what is the rules here? It's like the only thing I can't bring a gun. Right. <laughs> and then I, I thought this was funny. As soon as they finish me, <laughs> I look at Sarah. I'm like, you're not even going to look in our purse. You don't know what she's got. I'm like, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the kid did not find it funny at all. I thought it was pretty funny. But I was like, I, I thought it was odd. Like, look at this fucking normally, deviant like, can, over here just walking right through security. I really try not because you never know, like the right cop or like the right length of knife, you can actually get in trouble. I'd like normally got to check that shit in a locker, put it in your car. And they just like did not give a fuck at all. I don't know if it was just because it was Kentucky and maybe the only thing they actually do care about is people coming in with their concealing carry or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's kind of odd. And then y- you mentioned the jellyfish room, the little gallery yeah, yeah. of jellyfish. So that's changed, but they do have one of the tanks in that room. Dude, it is probably the most gorgeous octopus I've ever seen in real life. It was one of those ones where maybe like full span, it's like four to five feet with a million suction cups. And it was like bright reddish purple and it was like very active, moving all over, just sticking to the glass, going through the coral. It was doing like a whole song and dance. And it was, dude, just so fucking beautiful. And there's this guy on the bench, and he's with his girlfriend. And this dude, I'm still kind of perplexed about our interaction because he was talking to his girlfriend, and he was obviously like so excited. Right, like they were camped out there. He was there to see mm-hmm. this octopus, right? And he starts like talking to me, listing off facts about octopuses. And he ends this interaction by saying, "Did you know octopuses are actually aliens from outer space?" What? Whoa! And um, and I I looked at Sarah. And my thought was, all right, there could be something to this, but I'm fairly positive how he said it would not be true, right? And I was like, this dude's either a little little wacky or he's on to something. He knows a little something. And I was like, oh, that's I'm going to have to check that out. I was like, did you see that uh that movie My Octopus Teacher? Mhm. And he just was like, yeah, and stopped talking. Like he was <laughs> he was put off that I mentioned this documentary. He seemed very annoyed. I was like, damn, all right, whatever. So, I ended up looking this up. This is just an Yahoo News article. New scientific paper claims octopuses are actually aliens from outer space. And, and there's some truth to this. It's not fully true, but the article states, octopuses are from space. I know that sounds like an opening line of a cheesy science fiction movie from the black and white days of Hollywood, but it's actually the main part of an argument behind a research paper published in an actual peer-reviewed journal. The paper was published in the journal Progress in Biophysics and Molecular Biology, titled Cause of the Cambrian Explosion, Mm -hmm. Terrestrial or Cosmic. The paper digs deeper into the origins of life on Earth. As a result, it posits that life began thanks to a rain of retroviruses, which literally fell from space. Those retroviruses then added new DNA sequences 
to terrestrial genomes, which the paper says farther drove mutagenic change. Where things start to get really interesting, though, is when the paper starts to discuss the arrival of cephalopods. The paper claims that certain cephalopods like octopuses, squids, and others arrive on the planet by falling from space, frozen in a kind of stasis. Thus, the possibility that cryopreserved squids and or octopus eggs arrived in icy bolads, bolids? Bol- icy bolids? Several hundred million years ago should not be discounted. How crazy is that? That's very wild, but see, I, I don't know. I've always been on on the team. I, I like I like the the idea that like okay, so so life on this planet in general, all life on this planet, where came did it come from? Somewhere, yeah, yeah it, it came from somewhere. You know, like it. The or, idea that it just kind of like grew out of you know like even like you know like plant life would be like plant you know algae and or not even algae, but like one celled you know shit first. Like, where did that come from? It makes sense to me that it came in, you know, on within the moisture on, you know, a, uh, a, a meteorite or something that come, something that hit the earth when it was still forming kind of shit. So that was already here and then grew. So like, it, it makes sense that that's true. What doesn't, what makes less sense to me, and I, I don't know, I, I want to, I know there's a thing for this. How much DNA do we share with, um, like, an I, octopus? I would assume it's still a lot. I've, it, it's kind of interesting, though, because, like, octopuses are kind of like the classical example of an animal that is most alien-like. One, one of the things that helped me... I don't know, feel like the po- it was possible to, for Earth to develop like a, a an Earth without humans going back in time. Having some amount of water, eventually we get an algae, right? Some mm-hmm. sort of bacteria, whatever. The idea that kind of helped me feel like that level of evolution was possible was somebody explaining it as like, think about you have these these very microscopic gross. And then imagine what happens when you add electrical current, when you have lightning and the weather and those type of things. For some reason, the idea of like lightning hitting algae, it feels so like Frankenstein-ish. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. All of a sudden it feels like, oh, well, if lightning hits the primordial soup, we definitely could grow some squid, you know, like... (laughs) (laughs) It makes it feel possible for some reason. I... I mean, all you're going to get from that really would be, you know. Warm soup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're going to have some burnt <laughs> algae, but, you know. But doesn't heating things change? Their, like that could change proteins or enzymes that are given off. Like on a molecular level, wouldn't that, couldn't that so, diversify? So, yes and no. So the, what, what you're thinking of is like what you would be looking at would be like over many, 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 you know, thousands of years. Yeah. You can change that. You know, short term, all you're going to get is like those, those, whatever life, you know, lightning struck near or whatever, they're going to be cooked or they're going to, you know, nothing happens. But doesn't, that could add more carbon that could affect, right? Like I Um, get in one instance, it's not going to like birth something. Right. Yeah. So like, but over, 
so the idea so actually the earth has cooled down significantly since you know uh the early stages right so we've it's significantly cooled down for a while it's come in waves though right am i like i don't think it's a Um, a straight downward on the graph i don't know if it's overall cooler it's overall cooler um we are we are heating back up because of what we're doing but overall we we've cooled down we had a you know Period. How positive? Like, do you know this really well? Um, I don't. I I know. I don't know the timeline super well. Like, you know, how many millennia or whatever it it, it was. But it was. I know that. You know, the, if you think about the you know origins of Earth and when when life began, we were we were already like far far into the cooling down period. Um, we had less ozone back then, so we did have more. Uh, sunlight coming through but that being said we also had less we had a way for the sunlight you know, the, the the you know heat the radiation to escape because we didn't have that that ozone so that being said we we are on the upswing of warming back up just not in a way that you know it was at the you know building block of life on on earth so what you can you know you can see this in a lot of like extremophile animals where they live in you know hot spring type area you know near volcanic you know areas where the water is like constantly boiling and there's still these small animals like not even like microorganisms but like excuse me <coughs> i will say i think we're close to as warm as as it did used to be at one point. But there is – this is not an excuse. We cause global warming, right? But there right, is right. some truth to that, that the Earth temperature really does come in waves. And I do think to some extent we may have a little – just a, a smidge less control over it than like hardcore recyclers would like to think. Not that I don't think we, you know what I mean. Um, I know you know what I mean, but I'm not saying like we should. Like, no, no, a- absolutely. There's there's less of an so. The problem the problem would more be that we've had, you know, our, all these Arctic caps that we've relied on just being there throughout yeah. the entire history of 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 our planet. So this year they're fucked. So, so if you look at what, what happened, you know, like dinosaur era shit, right? So, you know, asteroid comes down, strikes the earth where the entire planet's covered in, you know, smoke and fucking dust and rubble and shit because it's being held in by, you know, our, our atmosphere. That's what ushered in the ice age, right? So we, we got from that, like what survived out of that is what became life on the life as we know it. The we were still coming out of that as man was coming to exist. We still had the, you know, the the bridge, the land bridge over Pangea. Um, yeah, we know the <laughs> not Pangea. This it's was from Africa to the Americas, right? N- no, no, that was that was way before people. So the well, there are people that you know talk the about day. otherwise, but the the you know the. Africa and America had separated, but 
there's a lot of proof coming out more recently that Africans had sailed to uh, what would be southern, you know, South America way before any other explorers from Europe had gotten the, the chance to. I feel like global warming is a bit like an asthma attack. The asthma has, it already exists, it's underlying, but we are causing the exacerbation. Like we are the ones making it worse, but there is like a natural amount of planet asthma <laughs> hmm. i mean yeah yeah you know that there the conditions are all there like we we couldn't have we couldn't have the the pollution problem if we didn't have the the atmosphere but also the atmosphere is what keeps us alive i i think is that what you're you're saying like the the conditions were all there like we yeah. we caught we are exacerbating an but, issue but more like even before humans existed, the Earth, every so many thousand years, does naturally make big shifts between hot and ice age, between warm and cold. Like there is a, a certain amount of natural temperature changes, and we are I mean, like making it so much worse that it's becoming more extreme, but we're also in like one tiny part of the timeline. When you like say natural... It's not that it happens for no reason, though. It's still caused by an, an out factor. Yeah, it's a, it's the effect of something else. That that's the when um, when you hear people have debates about this, that's where, like you said, where natural gets confusing because it's like what, like humans are natural too. Like us doing humans doing unnatural things is you know could still be considered natural. Like the. The ice age could be considered natural, right? And and it, and it was by by many means. It was just the natural way that shit happened. You know the the effect of a you know a collision with the Earth that blocked out our atmosphere and and you know led to you know you had less sunlight getting in. You had all you know. So what we we had the the Bering Strait between Russia and in Americas that was. were yeah yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. that was all that was all open and we could walk across that and, you know that's that's why we have you know that's where you know the Native Americans come from that's where you know all of the 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 people that were in the Americas that settled here like that's they weren't they didn't just show up out of fucking nowhere they they fucking walked here and and you can see that with you know DNA shit. If you, you, you know, check yeah. it all back it all, it all adds up. It all makes sense that we just traveled across here. But what, what, what I was getting at was the, you know, we, we only started coming into existence like during all this and it lasted so long. But like, as far as we know, the earth has only gotten, gotten warmer really since we, since we started. It's only started to go back up. I think I started off saying it's it's cooled down oh, significantly, but like throughout our existence. I feel like I might have to cut this because we I mean we can leave this in, but I'm looking at like chart temperatures and my understanding has has always been that there there are gra like gradual trends, but that the temperature temperature has largely fluctuated before we existed. Like it's not like a linear passage. Like we've had multiple dark cold ages or medieval warm periods or sudden cool downs that 
I, when I just hear people like, cause I am very much on the side of like, we should recycle. We shouldn't be putting oils in our fucking river. Like, we're doing disgusting things to the world, right? Mm-hmm. But I also think it's a little arrogant when, when people like green people on the green side are like, we are causing everything. Like it is all our fault. Because I just feel like it's a little arrogant to think we have full control over the earth is the earth's ability to regulate itself. I'm not saying like we aren't destroying shit and making things way worse. But my understanding is that the world goes through different cycles and phases. Yeah, it it does. But that's not to say that we're not... I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm with you. Because I think a lot of people that are like super right use the, the reasoning I'm saying I'm acknowledging as an excuse to just farther try to make more money and pollute as much as possible, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like most people who acknowledge that some of it is out of our control are only doing so in attempt to say we hold no responsibility. Right, yeah, yeah. And I don't feel that way. I just I, I just think it, some of it is a bigger than us, too. Not fully, but some of it. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. I think that there's there's definitely some responsibility. I think we've talked about this before, where you know there's so much of the the blame is placed on the individual, which right. I mean, sure there is some because it's one of those the uh, it's, it's policy. Yeah, it's, you know there there is a you know you 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 put, take some of the responsibility on on yourself, but you we. You know, you and I are not responsible for the uh, incredible fucking pollution that is in the the air and the sea. You know, you and I personally are not responsible. There's no way you could either one of us has made nearly enough trash to to cause that kind of effect. The you know, the you do have large you know, the businesses that we rely on as a society that produce goods that we need in we the way a, that we want to live. We all have a certain amount of collective responsibility right. and individual, but it is shitty when you're an individual who, if you had full collective control, it would be different because in reality, right. so many of these corporations, companies, policies, whatever – do things that are far beyond what your capacity to pollute would ever be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's like shark hunting. Just like shark hunting. <laughs> the, I, I think the, you know, people, I think people go through phases of like feeling super guilty about that shit. And it's like, yeah. if you, if you put in any effort, you're fine. If you put in any effort to like, you know, Try to reuse shit, you know, try to recycle, you know, cause even like recycling, like they don't, they don't end up doing what you think they're doing with that, with all that shit. You know, there's so much of like cardboard and shit. Like if it's, I, I forget what someone, you know, one of the fucking recycling people told me, like at the last restaurant I worked at, we had all these different bins in the back and we were like, 
I had just taken over and it's like, do we, is it better if we separate this? And they're like, it all goes on the same truck. And it's like, all right, cool. And they're like, he's like, honestly, most of this doesn't get recycled anyways. Fuck no. If it's Still- like, you know, it's got food on it and shit, like there's processes they have to do. And, if, you know, whatever product it is fucks with that process. They just trash it. Well, it's like one one thing destroys the whole batch. Like Cincinnati doesn't recycle shit. Yeah. Like I think it's like over 75%. I'm totally making this number up, but I know I've looked at it before. A huge, like I'm fairly positive 50% of the stuff put in recycling does not get recycled. Like yeah. it's a composting is the best thing you could do, but it's yep. like, it's, it, it's a very hard thing to take full personal ownership over it. When, when so much of our fucking world today is out of, our control. Yeah. And speak speaking of which, yeah. I'll switch it. Prison reform. I have a really I heard a really interesting take, right? Mm-hmm. Previously, we've talked about VR imprisonment. The idea that we could make VR alternate reality systems that could simulate prison time. Mm. We've talked about that a little bit. Like if uh That was a so, black mirror thing. Yeah, like you murder someone and really what's the point of imprisoning people? In one sense, it's to protect society. Mm -hmm. And the other sense, it is for justice by imprisonment, by revenge, by doing harm to the misdoer, right? There's there's a certain amount of comfort that comes to the general public when someone is, is, you know – something is taken away from or something is done to the person who committed a crime. It's extremely barbaric. Yeah. Like all the, the parties of a uh, Jeffrey Dahmer in the electric chair They're you know, they're selling t-shirts. There was a full festival. Jesus. People cheering for his death. Like that, you know, happens for a lot of serial killers. Like we take tremendous pride in killing our prisoners like for killing our murderers in the united states we we love killing a murderer that's the best and at the same time those people are super anti-abortion it's really funny how that works but so there's been this idea for a while especially as vr has gotten more popular that we could develop new ways of having someone experience a prison term without the logistics and of money and time and lack of a person uh, contributing to society by them being imprisoned to have them just have the experience of of it, mm-hmm. where in theory they would change just as much if they do at all, and it would be more practical, cost-worthy, whatever. So that idea has been played around with for a while. There's the people that are really that really want the punishment, the real like justice part of it. Yeah. Those people are never going to be satisfied with that. Right. But alternatively to the VR, I heard of this was a conceptual thing in a, in a show and people started riffing on afterwards. The idea of t- drugs that are called time dilators, where instead of a VR system, you could give a, a drug to someone that slows their neurological capabilities where time gets experienced differently. So you could have shorter imprisonments in an chemically altered state that would feel much longer yeah that's wild i don't i don't think it's good i think it's interesting. yeah no that's definitely interesting so what i wanted to go with that is i've heard a recent argument and 
it, it's still very underground, but there is a small community of people globbing onto this idea and tr- attempting to make serious political proposals with it. So the conversation started around school shootings, right? Mm-hmm. When we think of how many school shootings there are today, which is there's a fuck ton compared to previously, but it's still like a small percentage of kids will ever commit a school shooting, right? But when we look at 90 whatever percent of school shootings, right? That kid does not want to get caught, right? Like they're not, very few mass shooters are willing to go to prison. Mm -hmm. Ideally, they want to kill themselves or die by cop before they ever go in. So this argument online, this group of people have been trying to come up with ways to prevent things as horrid as mass shootings, right? Yeah. And the worst thing we have in our criminal justice system is the death penalty. And in theory, your prison sentence is supposed to be a nonviolent thing. Like, there's tons of abuse in prison. We know, we all know that. But in theory, you're supposed to be able to go behind the bars and you sit there long enough until they give you a drug and you die. Like, it should be pretty nonviolent, right? So the idea these people have come up with to try to like farther prevent people from mass shootings or killings or whatever is to reinstate medieval torture, essentially, Mm -hmm. where no longer is the death penalty an option for certain horrific crimes, but that we would legally reinstate certain forms of torture to prevent people from doing terrible things i I don't at all i don't know stand behind this idea but i find it very interesting that people are willing to almost backpedal like a reverse thinking we've seen abortion go this way interracial marriage we're looking at you know most while most people want you know a softer quote-unquote justice system there's now a pushback of people who want to literally reinstate torture yeah Shit's wild, man. What do you think? Torture in prisons? <laughs> yeah, man. Just chain them back up, put them in the shackles. And the, uh, what what was it called? The fucking thing you put your head and hands through and people uh, throw tomatoes stock. at you? Stockade. Yeah, yeah. Let's bring those back. Now, there is a thing, like, <laughs> typically you hear it with, like, pedophiles. Like, throw them in the wood chipper or shoot yeah, your local yeah, heroin dealer. Like, or or terrorists should be allowed to be tortured for information. Like there's mainstream arguments for certain forms of very extreme violence to very specific people. Yeah. And it's very normal to hear God fearing people, anti-abortion people, Christian people say they believe in those forms of specific ultra violence. Right. Including death penalty shit. Yeah, and it it would not be much of a leap to go from those current beliefs to, hey, maybe we should torture a pedophile, a a terrorist, X, Y, Z. Right. And I don't think it it is like beyond the pale that a lot of people could just be willing to take that half step farther. And I, what I think the issue is is I think it's actually hard to argue against. Because when you're arguing against that, you're the one defending the terrorists. Yeah, you're literally playing devil's advocate. 
it's very hard though because it's it's hard when on an individual level like i feel like there's tons of individuals that deserve to be tortured i'd be fully willing to torture quite a few people but as a a policy I would never feel like it's okay for us to torture X group of people, Y right. group of people. But when if you're on the defending side of we should not do that, you're you're starting at a massive disadvantage. They have the high ground. I feel like for for those arguments, just like abortion, where like the yeah. science is is not going to give you the high ground for protecting it. Yeah, you know? that's so. When I think of, I mean, like we already went through the the torturing for information thing. We talked about that with the the nine eleven shit. Yeah, and it, you know, what, of course, what we came through with that was like you don't get valuable information, you know, re- reliable information from that. You know, you get the words of someone that wants you to stop torturing them. Sure. Um, but you, to be fair, the asterisk is you, you get. A ton of unreliable information with some very important information. Yeah, true. So that being said, I I feel I I do agree with you that that it's harder to it's definitely hard to defend. You know, especially because there's there's su- such high emotions about that shit. Yeah. You know, when you start talking about like you know pedophiles and shit like that, and it's like that's People, people are, you know, they're frightened and they're, you know, yeah. even if it's not something that happened to them and their family, they're, you know, that's a nightmare situation. They, they more than likely know someone affected by it. And yeah, I know, you know, I've had a lot of people in my life affected by things. And especially if it was close to a time in my life where something happened to someone I love, all rationality is out the door. Right. You know, it's it's just such a sensitive topic. And it, so when you're arguing against someone that is like pro-violence to one of those groups, mm-hmm. you're basically showing up to a duel with fucking prayer beads, like some loser monk. And the other <laughs> dude's got a fucking mace and he's ready to th- beat you to death with it. And it's... It's just hard when you're combating vicious ideolo- ideologies. Now, I will say in Dungeons and Dragons, if you had a monk, <laughs> they could actually probably do some damage. Multi-hit attacks. Yeah, man. A little, little laying on of the hands, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the whole, um, yeah, I don't know. There's, I like, it's not, not I like, I understand I understand the want for a violent reaction to – sorry? Eye for an eye. Yeah. You know, like I understand that, where where that where that opinion or where that thought process comes from. I totally understand. I feel like that's a very primal and human thing. The, the difference is it's – that doesn't – that doesn't – further us like as a as a whole as a society when you think of a long term that doesn't further us a long that's not a long-term solution because it's we've had that in effect and it doesn't 
do it doesn't change anything people still that's like people say like oh like well it's illegal and it's like well that you know something being illegal doesn't stop anybody from doing it the the that's not pu- true the punish well it's not that it doesn't stop anybody from doing it it, it doesn't prevent it from happening it, it the prevents idea, most of it from happening yeah it's like but, it, but it's still the the cost of doing you're know, getting caught and from from doing something illegal that doesn't make it not happen the idea would be how do we you know it's it's like um, yeah, people were like saying a, this about the, you know co- yeah so like cops don't you know solve crime they they react to it they, they don't they don't cops they don't, don't show up crime. And, yeah they, exactly yeah, the cops I, don't show up until the they, the crimes happen yeah yeah so when if you're looking at a long-term solution, I, I think that the idea wouldn't be what do we do with these people once they do it. The idea would be how do we approach this situation before it happens? Yeah. How do we how do we figure out what's going on and why this is happening and and, and start there? And meanwhile, of course, there is shit happening and people are you know going to get upset by. Like you said, there's gonna you're gonna have people that are just not happy with the outcome, regardless of how, it, you know, you look at it. N- neither party is gonna be completely satisfied one way or the other. But when you, yeah, I think long term, it's just it's not torture and and you know um, the eye for the eye shit. It it doesn't. Now, can I push you? Yeah. So, I feel like you saying the eye for an eye is not good is almost i'm being pushy i'm being a little devil's advocate so i don't mean this interpersonally but Mm -hmm. i feel like there's a contradiction between that of like saying eye for an eye is not good and a satanic levian mindset of someone hurts you slaps you on the cheek you slap them a hundred times you beat them in the face to death right there's a yeah. Can, can I can I expand for a sec? Yeah. So my thought is I I think revenge should be legal. I think we should have a much wider scope on person to person violence. But that is I I get that's not necessarily a normal or best way for a country to see fit, but I think a state, a government, whatever, should never have the capability of killing people, mm-hmm. torturing them, because I don't want my government to choose who lives or dies. Yeah. I don't want people in positions of power to have that power over the everyman, the Joe Sixpack as it were. But I think individually, we should have a lot more room to work with in terms of violence. So, and and this is one of the things that I, I feel, what I feel personally, personally and what I know is right are two different things. So what I feel personally is that I agree that there are definitely forms of like, some kind of like, you know, you hear the stories all the time of like, you know, someone kills their abuser and then they yeah. get, you know, time, jail time or something. And it's like, that's fucked. 
right? Like they, it, it's, it's a, I think it's so circumstantial. There's sometimes I think killing the abuser is the right thing. And then the other thing, other times 20 years have passed and it's premeditated and done in a particular vision. Yeah. Way. Like yeah, there's a, yeah. It's such a fine line. Yeah. There's, there's circumstances and shit and then, and that change, you know, case to case. But, but I think that there's still, and this is where I do disagree with the LeVay and, you know, like not, this is the, not the only place where I disagree with LeVay and shit, but yeah. this is definitely one of the bigger ones is that revenge begets more revenge. You take revenge on, you know, someone, I don't know, steals some shit from you. My brother fucks you over. You kill my brother. Then I have to kill you. Like, yeah. yeah the yeah, shit, violence know, begets fun. Yeah. Yeah. So it gets more. It gets dirtier and grittier that way. So then we have to take a step back and we look, okay, well, what's, what are we aiming for? What's the ideal, what's the ideal and realistic society that we're going for? And if you don't act in that accordance with what we are, with what you want, you know, that's the be the change you want to see in the world thing. If you don't act in accordance with what you expect from the future, from what you expect from other people, that there is a, a degree of, you are fooling yourself, number one. You know, you you are – if you're living in a world where everyone is acting a certain way, but you want to see it change. You want to – you know, whether you think it's for the better or whatever, you want to see it change so you act that way. You are the – you know, an outsider in that realm. If you are trying to change other people and their actions and spread whatever shit, you're still an outsider to that. I feel like the idea of moving forward, if, if the goal is, you know, peace of, of a better kind, of a, a more prominent kind than we have, of a more stable idea of that, that the legalization, you know, to any degree of revenge gets real dirty and tricky. It does, but I, I, I think, he, he, this is how I feel. I feel as an institution, institutionally or in policy, we should be on the side of peace. Mm -hmm. There should be no encouragement. Um, yeah, don't be, start shit. Yeah, but but we shouldn't be executing prisoners or torturing terrorists or letting all the pedophiles get murdered in the prisons like i don't want that world yeah but i do feel like individuals should have a much higher legal capacity for violence in terms of aggressing against aggressors yeah now like i, I think there's like we should have more room for that i think in a lot of ways, we're in denial of human nature. Like we've made a world. Yeah. Where so that's that's where I, I agree with. I I do agree with that. Where we are, we are fighting our our biology a lot by you know like we we are animals, and I think that us forming societies in in general, and like what we our image of our of ourself is different than what we are. Yeah. Like if. if if you killed my brother, yeah, and or your brother kills my brother, right? Mm. So I kill your brother. 
right? Yeah. The, the chain of violence. If you want to be that change you want to see in the world and you want peace, you're the person who doesn't retaliate. Right. I, f- I feel like that is fair. Like, I, I feel like there are a ton of people who aren't just going to continue violence forever. I don't think if we changed a handful of like self-defense or like revenge laws, I don't think there's going to be an infinite death spiral. I think there will be more deaths, right? But I also think a lot of those will lead to good results. Mm -hmm. There are going to be bad results too, but I feel like those bad results happen anyway out of human nature. But I think a lot of good people will stop those circles of violence. And I think a lot of people who, in my opinion, are owed violence or revenge, I think deserve that because oftentimes in that, there there is something very positive that can happen too that I don't think ever gets talked about. I I will absolutely say I would rather, I like the idea of, you know, the interpersonal, the, you know, the, there's the video, whatever went kind of viral. The guy was in court at the, no, for the guy that was like the, the person that killed his son or something. And while he's like getting read his, his sentence and, you know, he's about to go to jail or whatever, the dad of the, the kid that died came over and like, like sucker punched him. Mm-hmm. And like, like I, I defend that. Like I, that's understandable. Absolutely. Like I 100% get that. And I don't think that he should see charges for that at all. I prefer that kind of, you know, that retaliation interpersonally m- way over, you know, the state doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, it's it, it happening, happening in, you know, uh, an, an institutional facility that is designed what what is supposed to be designed to help people, yeah. you know, I mean, that that's the the angle of, a, of approach I'm coming from. I mean, hands down, he he should be tried with assault for that. Well, yeah, but, but I don't think it should be that way. I, I don't particularly like how that happened but i think you should be able to call out your abuser your oppressor your aggressor Mm -hmm. and handle it as as you see fit and if you know that could mean a lot of times it doesn't go well for you too i don't want to live in the world where the the biggest strongest man gets to control everything right but but i i also don't want to live in the world where the biggest strongest man can hurt me and I can't do anything back. Right. Yeah. And I, f- I feel like in a lot of ways for a lot of people who are generally of lower status or more oppressed or in just tougher circumstances, when you're in that low position and you have people that can do you great harm, there is almost nothing that you can legally do to, to get satisfaction right. out of that. I just think there needs to be a little more. I want that dad to be able to to punch that murder or whatever. Right. It, it's tricky. It's just, it's really tricky. But I think we solved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, this is why people listen to the show. They come here for conclusions <laughs> to world problems. All right. Speaking of funny conclusions. <laughs> when are we having our meeting with the UN? Oh, they... <laughs> We're, I know we're way behind. We really need to sort out this Ukraine thing. 
their people can reach out to my people and we'll, we'll get something. Yeah. All right. Interesting art thing. Beeble. Remember, he's a digital artist. I know we both know. He's the digital artist that sold his recent art collection for $69 million. He's like the third richest, most successful modern-day living artist. Yeah. Does some really cool stuff. Does a lot of lame stuff, too. But he's cool as fuck because for over 10, 15 years, whatever the fuck it is, he puts out new art every fucking day. And I've followed him for years, and his meteoric rise has been so fucking cool to witness. But there was a time when he, because he's one of these guys that really changed the NFT world, right? And there was a time where he was doing some streaming or at some events, and he went to sleep, and some dude stole and faked, they made a fake collection of his artwork, and they sold it for multiple millions of dollars while he was asleep. And that was like one of the first big... NFT Bitcoiny thefts, right, in the crypto art world. So that that was a while ago. There's been a ton of things since then, and it's a major problem that it's easy to rip off and resell fraudulent NFT art. But recently, Beeble was just robbed again. Yeah. Now this this is a cool one. This is a modern art heist I approve of. Right. This is this is really good. <laughs> so I will preface it. In in the past, we've mentioned another NFT project called Fungus Tokens. And it was an art theft project where the creator would go around having himself and other people illicitly swab famous pieces of art with a Q-tip. And then they would put that Q-tip and the bacteria on it under an electronic microscope, electromagnet, whatever microscope, and they would make video coins of the bacteria of the painting growing. And it would have the, the bacteria video matched with the art. And that was this the, the fun, fun Beautiful petri so dishes cool. of, of modern NFT art. Yeah, so cool. So now, art theft... You know, there's still traditional art theft, forgery. Um, the effects of that Van Gogh was stolen in, was it 2020? Yeah, all, all kinds of shit. Um, but there's also this new age form of like, I don't even know what to call it yet. Like crypto theft, like crypto yeah. heists, like NFT crypto heists. Right, so, right clickers. <laughs> so... This thing that happened to Beeble, it, it's very lighthearted. It's nothing n- nothing malicious or serious, but it's interesting. Yeah. So, in theory, Beeble was just robbed by this comedian. He's this dude named Sean Milea. Sean, S-E-A-N-M-I-L-L-E-A. He's on TikTok, if you want to check him out. He's some comedian dude. I believe he does art as well. Mm-hmm. He goes to an NFT conference or is NFT or crypto conference where he knows Beeble is going to be there, right? Mm-hmm. Beeble had just recently sold that project 69 million. This is the art guy. This is the digital art guy everyone wants to meet, right? He goes to this conference and he finds Beeble. Beeble's a very nerdy, approachable internet dude. He just is like, chill, we'll talk to anybody. He goes up to Beeble and he says, hey, can I show you a magic trick? 
And Beeble's like, sure, dude, let's do it. He, he talks real goofy. So he gets Beeble to start drawing a stick man. He says, I need you to draw a stick man for this trick. Beeble draws the stick man. And then this dude, Sean, says, thanks. And he disappears. He just walks off. Yeah, that was the magic fucking trick. Fucking so good. <laughs> he steals a stick man drawing. Now, he goes home after the event. He frames that stickman drawing. And, you know, in the NFT crypto world of post-irony, he takes that <laughs> framed stickman drawing of Beeble, and he starts listing it online. It, it's in, also, it's important to know that he did take video of him doing this. Yes. Getting, had, the, getting the drawing and all that. Yeah, it's all recorded. <sighs> starts listing it, showing it off. He starts getting offers. 10,000. 20,000, 100,000, 125,000. Now, of course, most of these offers are probably sketchy, non-legit scams, trying to trick him to mail their art somewhere. So, you know, who the fuck yeah. knows how legit they were. But he starts getting real offers. So he goes to art authenticators. <laughs> While it has been recorded, the authenticators demand that it needs to have the artist's signature. That the video wasn't enough. He didn't know this was a piece of art. You need to at least get him to sign his name to the work. Right. A little time passes. Sean then goes to another crypto conference where Beeble is going to be speaking again. And apparently this time around, Sean has a job doing interviews for some YouTube channel. And Beeble is giving in, you know one of those quick standing interviews. And Beeble does his questions with them. And then afterwards, Sean says, hey, I need you to sign the, the content release form. Right? Yeah. You're going to be on YouTube for a chance. We need you to sign this paperwork. Beeble signs it. Sean walks off, pulls up the form. He cut all the boxes of the signature area of the, the agreement forms and under it placed that stickman drawing. Fuck yeah. So fuck, dude! I fucking love it. Now, part of this is definitely very memey. I don't know if it actually will be authenticated fully or what it would sell for. But in theory, he had enough to get it authenticated. I believe he did, and I don't know what the current status is. But there had there was another example of this in Cincinnati where a local UC student basically snuck a banana painting into a museum claiming that he was Banksy. The museum finds this painting later, and they're like, what the fuck is this banana painting? And he comes up with this very elaborate ruse to convince them that Banksy left the painting in the museum, and he was the one handling it as Banksy's management. Wow. This piece of art, it ends up getting proven, you know, it's not. Banksy, but the story that ensues, it's a great series of videos. I'm fairly sure he sold it for over a million dollars by the time it was all said and done. So there's this new world of like, it's almost like prank art theft scams. Like they're art heists that for, are for the laws. Basically. Yeah. But if you do it right, or in a way that is so fascinating to these online communities, you actually end up creating real value. And it may be temporary. It's not going to be a lasting masterpiece in a museum, 
but it's going to be worth a lot to someone who finds it interesting enough or funny yeah. enough. So there's some really cool, weird crypto heists going on. I just thought that was such a fun one. I, yeah. I, who I knows feel if like he sells anything, but I feel like, like, how could you, like, if, if you put yourself in people's shoes in those, in the, in the, for that moment, like, he loved it. Yeah, I was gonna say that sounds that sounds so fucking cool. It's like, all right, you know, you you got me. You know, that's that's smart. It's in you know, it's original. It's you're taking advantage of a new age phenomenon. Art. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that being said, the problem then lies with all the people that are gonna try to copy that. Yeah, and they're like at that point, you're not doing anything original. You're copying. Well, the you know what someone else did. All right inevitably going to be worth so much less it's that first time that moment of magic where someone creates this idea that they created value out of nothing mm-hmm. by just thinking up a, a scheme to get their favorite artist to, to make a piece of art illicitly just for them like it'll only ever be that valuable the first time and, and I, I think it'll keep taking different forms of what that looks like in this era of change in art mm-hmm. but the you know as much bullshit as there is because it is more bullshit than anything but there's always going to be a handful of really cool creative bright people that do something unexpected that is even if it doesn't last forever like a masterpiece it's a, a bright star for a moment at least yeah i think it's like i said i think it's definitely it's original it's fun it's a light-hearted way of yeah, you know, yeah, like like you said, like if if as long, especially as long as the artist is, you know, he, he made so. yeah made them laugh, and you know, it's like whatever. Yeah. Now, I I'll leave this up to you. I've been talking a lot. I could. Do you want me to to explore your mind with you a bit, or do you want to? <laughs> do yeah. you want to go to to new ideas? Because I got a couple things we can look at still. Um. How you feeling? What do you think? How's your, what, where are you thinking this week? Do you feel like just looking at fun stuff or do you feel like shaking your, your head out and seeing, seeing what falls out? Um, go ahead. Let's shake my head out. Let's see what falls out. So what, let's a, a, learn a, a little Turing bit. Test. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was looking at this earlier. So the dude who cracked the German Enigma coding, his name was Alan Turing, right? Mm-hmm. I think uh, Tinker Toy Soldier, that movie with Tinker Benedict Taylor Cumberbatch. Soldier Spy. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that was on Alan Turing. I don't know. I didn't see it. But he's the guy that cracked the German encryptions. There's a test called the Turing test, and this test is used to help determine if an AI has achieved sentience or if a machine can pass as a human. It's a form of asking questions to understand what someone is thinking, right? right? If their thoughts are genuine. So my idea was I was going to try to Turing test you, but I I don't really have the specific questions. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, the questions are so goofy for Turing test, but I I did just kind of want to see like what the fuck's happening in your head. Cause I feel like I've been talking a lot, not just today, just kind of in general. I'm happy to get out of my head and see what's in yours. Bag of hot air over here. Where where are you feeling? What's what are your reoccurring thoughts, delusions, paranoias, <sighs> obsessions, um, perversions? 
I'm I'm leaning. You said paranoias, and I'm I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to thinking now, like like moderate anxiety, not even moderate, mild anxieties that I've you know been been thinking about. That it's not really paranoias. I guess it's you know thinking about more of like since the season at work slowing down, like what's my financial situation going to look like? But there's plenty of like work coming along, so it's it's out in the open and a little unknown, but also, you know, guaranteed I'll make up the hours. And my, even my boss is like, you know, you make your own schedule. Like if there's shit that we can do, like if you something you want to do, like just, you know, let me know and clock in and like do whatever. And it's like gotcha. super cool and, and you know, whatever, but there's still, because it's not a strict schedule, there's uncertainties there. Let, let me, all right. So we got the, we yeah. got a premise. Let me, let me, so it uncertainty mm-hmm. is causing anxieties. Yeah, fear of the unknown. You seem you seem overall you're in a calm space though. Yeah, but there's yeah. a background anxiety of unknown. Always a, a background static of of anxiety. How is that? How are you managing that lately? Like, um, do you feel like it's you're doing well with it or is it kind of eating, eating you up? A little? Um, no, I think I'm doing really well with it. I usually end up turning that into, you look at like what I can, you know, the, what can't you control? Like if you can't control it, then why are you worrying about it thing? Like then what I end up doing is like make a list of things that, okay, well, here's what I can do. And that's where it's like working on the house or like finding, you know, little, even if it's like, not like art projects, but like I have a cabinet that I want to turn into a kitchen island. And it's like, okay, so what do I have to do? What are the steps I have to take here? I have to clean it up. I have to get a new, you know, top for it. It needs a new top on it. Um, you know, would counter. It be, would it be fair to say that approach is taking, taking the uncertain or unknown and making a, I don't know, a pa- making things known, like making a path yeah, of certainty. It's definitely a, a replacing, you know, maneuver. It's taking those things out of my focus uh, Why? To, to focus on things that I can, that I have a certainty, to, you know, it's not even yeah. a certainty of, but it's a, a more of control over. Why, why would you be like, when I think of, when I think of like what your winter Mm-hmm in my opinion, will inevitably look like is like, yeah, money will suck and stuff, but you're probably going to be like, I could see like some depression and anxiety stuff, but mm-hmm. I'd say like overall, you're going to like do way more. Oh yeah. Enjoy. Like, I'll definitely be fine and happy and good. It's what? the, it's the, the changing period. It's going gotcha. from, you know, a hundred miles an hour down to you know twenty thirty, you know I'm I'm off the highway and I'm I'm you know you're getting off of the the exit ramp and there's you know that that minute where you're you're merging onto a, a road and you're going you know twice the speed limit because that just feels normal to you and when yeah. you suddenly feel like oh shit I can't go that fast I need to re- I need to recalibrate you know I need to get my shit together here and adjust to the new situation i'm in the new surroundings and that's 
I think in that period, it's not it's not that it lasts a long time or anything, but it is a moment of uncomfortableness of, you know, adapting that I feel like I feel like the, you know, the mechanisms I've I've grown used to are at least healthy for me. It's still, you know, it's it's keeping myself occupied mostly is what it ends up being, you know, finding relax relaxing time there's still especially in this period where I get you know, uh you feel guilty for for not doing shit like Sunday, you know, I didn't do shit, but I there's definitely periods of like I would still even though I had decided pretty early on in the day, like, all right, I'm just not going to get shit done today and that's okay. There are still points throughout the day where it's like, well, maybe I'll just get this done or maybe I'll get that done. It sounds like, it sounds like you need a, a winter war plan. A winter war plan. A, like a, even if it's really loose, just like a, a schedule of what you do yeah. every day or different days. Like just to give you that, cause you've mentioned it before, like, you're the the killer second in command at work. Like you, mm-hmm. you you do really well leading, but with some amount of structure. Like I feel yeah. like if you had a a winter war plan, you'd like steamroll. Yeah, everything. It, so that's I'm I'm actually I'm, I've already been working on that. Um, that is the one thing I really you know the more productive thing I guess I got done on Sunday was like like. I like putting things in the perspective of like, okay, short-term goals, long-term goals. Um, and even long-term goals, I'm still, I'm only looking at, you know, a, a month or two out, you know, maybe, you know, three, four months max. So it's stuff where like short-term goals, like I need to get, you know, I'm going to reorganize the, you know, my pantry or something. I don't feel like doing it right now, but I'm going to put it on a list, you know, or, you know, where long-term goals would be like, I need to set aside time to uh, install some new light fixtures. Like I have the God, light fixtures, I just got to. You're, so, you're so task oriented. I oh to be super honest, yeah. I don't understand at all. Like I honestly, I feel like it's something I've tried to tried to like relate to you more with, but I don't get it. It's very, it's kind of uh, confounding for me. Where like I, I try to think of it of like. This is a things or a process that works really well for you, mm-hmm. even though I don't, I, I don't know how to process it. Yeah, I I f- I find it fun. I like. There's always the feeling of like, especially if something it's a job that you know is going to suck a little bit. Mm. You know, like moving a bunch of heavy shit or like you know, whatever. There's always that moment before where it's like, the prep, the the planning to do it phase is good and then the actual getting started phase can be a little tough like breaking that wall but once i get into it the satisfaction i feel from stuff like that is what what you know pulls me through so i mean but but i look at work that way too so that's another thing with like going into the uncertainty of what this winter looks like um is i talked to my boss about this a little bit but we want to you know we're going to set aside time to like okay what do we want to you know what's our what's our expectations for next spring? Like, what do we want to do? You know, I did it a little bit last year, but I want to get more detail with it this year, like month, month to month. 
what's our goal? So like we have so many months of winter to do prep and get shit together for next busy season. What do we want to have by, have done by the end of this month, by the end of November, you know, long-term goal, what are we aiming for? And then break it down to what we can get done before then. Do those things, but do the, do those things like meet emotional goals for you? Like, do you have, um, like if you had everything or like if your house was your dream house, every, every project you wanted to do, every pantry was organized, would you feel satisfied or would you feel empty from it? Or just doing those things like meet those em- emotional like quote unquote goals. I know they're not goals, but I don't know what, I, what else to call it. Um, I would I would naturally find something else. I, cause I feel like, I feel like that's just because like, I know that's how my brain works. Cause I, I see it in my dad too. My dad is super, it's gotta, gotta have something going on. There's gotta be something. And I, I look at like, he's, he's got like, you know, Harleys and shit that he works on, on a regular basis. And I feel like part of that is, you know, he has, he has his own business. So he sets his own schedule more or less. He has, you know, he takes jobs when he when he wants to, and of course he wants to a lot. He he takes a lot of jobs, but he can dial that back if he desired to. Um, and in in those times when he doesn't have, you know, shit to work on at the house, like the if the the pool filter's clean and he doesn't have to worry about that through the the winter time because it's he's not using it. There's less shit to worry about, so he has like those hot those project shit. Like he gets. He has those other things that are like, why can, you know, there's always something, there's always something to be done with the Harley. People with Harleys are people that enjoy working on their bikes. But I'm, I guess what I'm curious is like, do do you feel like you get something? Like the, I, yeah. Are you fulfilling something? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. There is a, and I've told you this, like I even through work, like I make the, you know, the, the super fruit bowls that we do or something like that, where it's, you know, requires a little bit more attention, more, you know, strategy to put it together. And there's a, a, a full on sense of creation that I feel when I, when I make that. And it's, it's honestly, it's almost, I would say it's equivalent to when I make a piece of artwork and I show it to somebody. It's because I've never like sold my artwork before kind of thing. I'm not really into that. The, the the feeling of of emotion of creating a thing and then seeing the look on someone's face when you give it to them is is that's, you know, huge for me. So even like with home stuff, it's the satisfaction I get from doing it and knowing that I did it. Or even even that being said, having, you know, when we have to have someone else come out and do something like, um, you know, the, the pest control is not as big of a one, but like the junk removal shit, like we just had a bunch of, you know, construction junk in our, in our fucking shed out here. And we had to call somebody to, you know, we called someone to come pick it up. And it's a, the sense of like knowing that, okay, yeah, someone else did the physical labor, but we, I called and initiated and made it happen. That's still like, the the 
and not, not endorphins, not the, it's not the right word. Like the serotonin that I get from knowing that I accomplished a thing is very real. Can I be honest? Yeah. I, I can't feel that. And I, sometimes I feel like when we've gone down this road before, I don't know. I can't decide if like as a friend I should be I should push for you to get those feelings a different way or if that's me projecting and like just not understanding it's different for everyone. Now, can I be honest? Yeah, do I it. think you're projecting. You from, from uh, you my have perspective mentioned that before. I I mean right. I feel like I think there's nothing wrong with with the idea of trying to push me to get that from other places, but you know, I think the idea that that's wrong or that's not the correct place to get it from, yeah, that's not right. And I definitely don't think it's at all wrong. I just I'll, I'll broaden this to I don't even think this about you because you have tons of different creative outlets but there's so many like uh creative people that we both have known that i don't see i don't see them getting to fulfill what it seems like they they wanted at least at one point Mm -hmm. now is that do you say that with the, like, are, do they still seem content at least? And they're like, they're getting it from somewhere else or it's just not going the way that they expected it to. Um, I think it's a mix. Like I, th- I feel like most like artists, arty, artists with that, that like, uh, that don't do their trade. I feel like for the most part, it's like, they're ravaged by mental health stuff or mm-hmm. addiction stuff. And like they're empty as fuck without being able to do that craft. Or it's just like they found a fulfilling life in other ways. But I feel like that's, a, that one's a little less common. A, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel like it's just hit or miss. Like I, I would, I would, I think of you as living like a super good life like of have having your shit together knowing what what to do or not what to do to have like your independence and like to have the, that shit figured out for a long time like super respect it but I, but then it's part of what i wonder sometimes is like is it my like push of like thinking people have to have like I don't know, like a really strong outlet, or is that just something I I feel really strongly? I I don't know. I feel like I just can't understand something. Mm-hmm. Like I just I just I don't know. I'm probably an idiot. No, uh, well I was gonna say let, let me let me Turing test you. Let me turn the Turing test on you. Do it. I'll be the AI. Just, just for just for a minute here. So, do you feel? Do you feel like you, the way the way that you approach art do you do you feel like you have trouble understanding why other people don't 
approach creative outlets in the same way that you do. Definitely. Like I, I understand why, but it doesn't make any sense to me. So say you meet someone that has like no artistic outlets. Like you, we, we've both know people for sure that are like the, the things that they're into the hobbies and the things that, you know, emotionally take care of them is, you know, shit like sports or, you know, yeah, normie shit. Yeah. Even like, uh, you know, they watch movies or something. Yeah. You know, they have a thing that they, that they get an outlet from, but they're not creating a thing. Their own, you know, their own brand, their own vision, kind of not even a brand. I guess that's not the right term, but like. They're adding nothing to the world. Like, I, I feel like such an elitist, like what, what they add to the world is human connections. Like they're, I, you know, ideally a person of value to other people. And that mm-hmm. contributes to the world, right? Yeah. But I, I feel it sounds like so like edgelord elitist. But I feel like we have more than enough people. Like I, I feel like unless you're adding something like truly unique to the world, it's it's. I'm not saying at all. Like I don't respect anyone who doesn't do X Y Z. But I feel like the bar for me to think of them as a respectable person is a little higher. Hmm. Because they're they're not offering me anything. You're, you're, it's, it's very selfish, but they're not offering me anything by being a good person to their family and friends. Right. Like, I want them to make you're, cool shit that I can enjoy. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. So you're you're right on the edge of like superhero villain or supervillain status. Yeah. You know, comic book shit of like. But what do you offer? You know, if you're not offering something Me? something to the world, then you don't deserve to be here. You're, you're not taking advantage. You're not using your existence to the fullest. At my most primal, that that is how I feel. Yeah. Where, like, I would be okay yeah. <laughs> torturing a bunch of people till they do something cool. <laughs> dance, clown, dance. <laughs> For my amusement, it's like, but I, I just want to go back to my family and play in my fantasy football league. <laughs> make something cooler. <laughs> what do but you I, do? What do you make? <laughs> I really feel that way. Like I don't, I don't even necessarily want to. But it, it, I, I get, I, I get kind of bummed when people I know make some of the coolest shit ever Mm -hmm. or have that capability. Like, I don't, even if it is just pure selfishness, it's like, fuck, I wanted to, to see that or feel that or like, yeah. Yeah. I, so I, there's a phrase and I'm, I know you've heard it before, but I, and it, it causes a reaction in people that have a, a, a set of what they, what they think that it means. And I, I feel like it means, more than one thing. Okay. So the the phrases, you know, in the world there are there's two kinds of people. There's thinkers and doers. Doobers and doobies. Yeah, do doobers, doobies, doodettes. <laughs> um yeah. so the I think the idea that people 
generally associate that with is, you know, there are the people that get shit done and the people that just think about doing it or th- they think about it and, or, you know, they're, the witnesses. they're, yeah, they're biding their time or they're, they're not, they're not in the grid of it. And that's, that can be true, but I think there's also a way of looking at it where you're saying that, where you can say, okay, well, they're the doers and thinkers The thinkers would be, you know, the people that are, you know, it's not that they're not doing shit, but they are, you know, they're looking at it from the outside. They're thinking of a way to do it on an outside perspective or a different perspective. And the doers are the people are more like lemmings where, you know, you're, you're in the rat race. You're getting, you know, you're just the doing shovel shit. monkeys yeah. shoveling sand in the heat. You're like doing shit. Yeah. You're doing shit long. to get by. And there's, you know, you're living, you know, it's not that you're to say that they're not living a full and enriched life within that, you know, but it's not to the thinker that's that's a different perspective. They have a you have a more grandiose view of the world, and that's so. I just watched um, I just watched this movie. Have you seen Thirty One? It's a Rob Zombie movie. I really have put off watching it because I it just looks so bad, and I love A Thousand Corpses. So yeah, how, how I didn't see it. So how how was it? It wasn't. It yeah. definitely felt like a vehicle to put his wife in another movie. Gotcha. Some um, fun moments. Yeah, yeah. Rob, you know, it's yeah. def- definitely a Rob Zombie movie. The characters are outlandish and wild and, yeah. you know, gory and crazy. But there's a, a quote at the very beginning, and the quote was um, – it was like in text on the screen. and it, it's Something along the lines of the beginning of – a sign of the beginning of understanding is the desire to die. Say that one more time. The sign of the beginning of understanding is the desire to die. So what I took that to mean was that once you, when you start looking at the bigger picture of shit, like when you, especially when you mature, when you, you know, grow outside the phase of like you're a kid and everything's fun and cool or whatever, when you're mature and whatever age that is, you start to see what's really going on around you. And a lot of that's like, you know, you realize that no one really knows what they're doing. Everyone's faking it till they make it. You know, most people, you know, they're just, they're just trying to do their job and get paid and go home for the weekend to fucking, you know, go drink at the bar with their friends or, you know, go fuck their wife or, you know, like whatever they do in the evening, you know, that's, they're just there to do what they need to do to survive. Once you understand what is really, what's actually going on in the world, you know, on a personal level that we're all just fucking weird mutated animals that are existing in a society that we created. And there's minimal things you can do about it. You realize, well, fuck this place. This sucks. This isn't the child life, you know, childlike wonder place that I grew up with or that I'm, I'm used to. Once you begin to understand, you have the desire of, well, then you realize there's the alternative option of, well, I could just fucking kill myself. I feel like there's a, a link in that where you have this grandiose feeling of, I want to affect 
a change or not even a change. I want to affect people. I want to cause any kind of uh, reaction in people. Yeah. Yeah. Something on the world where I'm not, I'm not just, you know, clocking in, clocking out and going home until I die. And then there's nothing in between there. The, what that person, what that, you know, the thinker in that situation, what they're not understanding or they're not getting with is that the levels of happiness or the levels of enrichment within the lives of the, the doers in that point, I feel like the thinker's not identifying that. They're not seeing that as they feel like they lived an enriched life. You know, the, the individuals, the doers, whatever. The thinker is, is looking beyond that and saying, well, what are you, what are you doing to affect a change? And it's like, you lived in your hometown your whole life and you didn't do anything. You didn't, you know, no one's going to remember you. No one's going to, you know, uh, uh, know who you are in two, in, you know, just two generations, maybe only one generation from your family tree. No one's going to know who the fuck you are. And I feel like, do you, do you agree that is that's maybe something that you you feel? Definitely, like they're yeah. right. Like, what what's the so so I why uh, who what, what's the fucking point? Well, the, you're long forgotten, and all that mattered was your relationship to a handful of people. Like, fuck well, that. Like, and, I'm sure a, that's a that's where doctor I doctor doing cancer research thinks. All artists are re- beeped. Like thinks we're dumb as fuck too. Like I don't know. It, I, so I, that's then that's where I, I I would disagree because I I went the other way with that. That's where that's I think main part where you and I differ because I find a lot of enrichment. I, I subscribe to the idea of you know when I when I stumbled upon atheism and I I really like the worldview that. We're all just fucking dust, and and you know we're we're a, the example of a large experiment of where you, you know, you take some moldy or you take some wet bread and put it in the fridge. Like you're gonna get mold, you know. You put it in an atmosphere or whatever. Like you're gonna get this growth that just comes and it's it exists for a while and you know evolves a little bit and gets real gross colored until somebody throws it out. Yeah, from from dust we came and yeah you know we're just food. we're just, just here until we all die and then none of it's you know on a cosmic level everything's meaningless anyways i just but, dude i hate that so I, well I yeah so, so i know you do but what, what i'm saying is like that's why i i find so much beauty comfort and yeah you know, the comfort yeah. in the small interactions in the you know touch of the people closest to you and you know anyone that doesn't that isn't affected by you well then they got left out and they should feel left out for that but you know the people that are that you do interact with like you know that's that's uh i feel like if you look at it from a perspective of uh what's the new shit that's going around you know your main character vibes you know like you are the main character and and because you're never going to live other people's perspectives you know, I know we talked about that with AR, you know, uh, or VR for a minute, but you're never going to experience, or that's why it was your, your drug thing, right? You take a drug and you experience someone else's memories and mm-hmm. emotion, you know, but 
the just, I, the idea of you know it's it's fucking your life and you know you make it how you want to and maybe maybe you do go skydiving in your time or something but then even still you're not affecting a fucking change you know you're living what you want to do and if what you want to do is giving you satisfaction then fuck everybody else and fuck what their reaction is to what you're doing I I think I'm not trying to to change your your opinion your thought process. I'm just saying that's how yeah. I approach it. No, I get it. I think I think you're right that that is like um I don't know if it'd be considered temperament or um ideology. We just like have a different approach, but. Uh, I, I think what gets me bummed, like I, I've I've had times where I take great comfort. I'm like, we're on, we're you know from dust, we're on a stupid rock, you know it's all meaningless. We're mm-hmm. all small people. It's about the meaning we make of it. But it feels like that's destined for. It's destined for dust if that's the approach. Like to yeah. me, I know it's impossible to be more. Than human to be to be the Ubermensch, to be above God, mm-hmm. to to live forever, to be remembered forever for anyone to like truly care about you after you're gone. But I I still feel like I have to like carve my name into something, or yeah, I can't I can't accept the dust. Not and I don't feel like I feel like when I was a teenager it would have been like. That means I can do something destined for greatness, or I can be a book in the library of Alexandria. Like I can leave something that will be forever. It, someone, and I, I don't expect that anymore. But I, st- I still feel compelled to that if if I fully give up on being more than I know I can, then uh, it's like, well, why not check out now? Like, I, I feel like I want more people to feel that way in a way. And, and that's where, that's where you're hurting yourself. Because to some, to a, yeah, that's why I don't sleep. You're that's getting, why, you're yeah. getting anxiety over. I don't feel anxious. Well, maybe not anxiety is the right word. You're, you're concerning yourself with the way that other people live their lives. I don't feel too caught up on it because I, I, but I, I, I do ideally wish, like, I don't feel like, uh, I don't feel like a, a daily struggle of like, or, or even typically general concern mm-hmm. about what most people are doing. But I, I wish, I wish things were different for sure. That's, I mean, that's fair. It's a- absolutely fair. I want us to all be desperate feral cats <laughs> trying to scratch then, up the out of the cannon that is going to fire us into into the nothingness and dust in space. I think I look at like the 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 immortality of it like it's that's so it's so not a concern to me. I I mean cuz I I look at I think lack of, of e- ego. You have a lack uh, of ego. Which is generally like a very noble thing. I, I mean, I don't know. 
I guess I'm confusing ego and pride. I was going to say I take a ton of like my pride in myself and like what I can do, mm-hmm. but I, I guess the, the humbling point is that it it's, it's for me, you yeah. know, it's not, that's the good type of pride and lack of ego. It's, um, well, that's good to know. The, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the idea of, I don't know. I, I feel like there's, there's definitely ways I, th- because I think about like my, my ancestors, if you will, you know, like my great grandparents or whatever. Like, I only met one of my, you know, my, my great grandfather. I met him. Um, but it's like those, those people, like no one knows who they were. And like one, my grandfather on my mother's side, like he was, a uh, him and his, all of his brothers were like, you know, fought world war two and shit. Like, they, you know, cool, good stories and whatever that come from it. And like, they were in the newspaper for a thing. And then that was, you know, it. And that, but those, like, they're not going to be remembered by, and like, no one, if I say, you know, go to every person alive on the planet, you know, I'm sure I'll find some common relatives, I guess, but. Mm-hmm no one's going to know who the fuck he was and like what what they did and that that part of it is romantic like yeah i i, I definitely see it that way i don't see it in a depressing way at all i i feel like it's um like it's something that i have from you know the romantic side of it it's something that i know and i have you know but it's that's about where it ends and even like my great grandparents is like what i know about them they came here from italy you know, on my mom's side. And then like, you know, on my dad's side, they were here, you know, whatever. I don't know shit about it. it, I really don't feel the need to know any more than that. To me, that feels tragic though. Like I'm, I really am okay. Like, um, like I, I would never want to be the rock star. Like I would never want my face on something like I don't even like putting pictures of us tied to this podcast and never, I never want. You've never, uh, you've, as long as I have known you, you've never, you know, put your name on a piece of artwork. It's always been a, yeah. A something, you know, which is essentially like just branding it as an idea or like a a stuff from one source. Like I never, have a picture with my art or any of those things. I like, I I don't, I don't want it to be about me, but I, I feel like if I don't leave one fucking noteworthy idea, one interesting thing to read or write or listen to, or like one piece of art to look at, then I feel like I suffered a lot for no reason. Like, I feel like it's just so hard to exist like I get why people are okay with just watching football and fucking their wife once a week. Like mm-hmm. I, I really do get that because life, life fucking sucks, and I don't. I feel like really cruel when I'm like so dismissive of what to me feels like a more meaningless life. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like when I feel like empowered, I I feel that really strongly because. I, re- I feel like I really know how much it sucks to live. And if we don't leave anything behind, then I feel like it's just foolish to endure. 
Like if if all I did my entire life was nurture relationships with other people that helped them get through life and none of us made anything, mm-hmm. we, we didn't leave anything behind, then we would have been better off just drinking the Kool-Aid together, fucking one last time, getting high one last time and sailing off into space. I mean, that's that's definitely a perspective. That's yeah, definitely. I, just, uh, I mean, I, I don't. I I agree is. with you to the point where I I feel like the the main difference is re- the meaning of life. I guess if I go ahead. sorry, I I feel like when when you die, if if you don't have anything, if there's nothing to show for it, you know. Um, what you like what was the point of it all and it's like well yeah life sucks and whatever but you know did you make what you consider to be the best of it to yourself because those you know you're dead what does it matter how it affects the rest of the world that's i mean from my point of point of view that's that's how i see it is like well if i'm dead who gives a fuck you know fucking I'm feeling- throw me in the trash you know, it's whatever. I'm feeling. I feel like I'm suddenly seeing a, a very fundamental difference because, I, like you, oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, sad. but I, you, you take pride in yourself and what you do, and like you, you're you're value, valuing your own journey. Mm-hmm. Right, like your uh, your existence for the sake of it is ex- its existence. You're happy yeah. to be alone. God, this this sounds like like a I don't know more pathetic. I don't mean it because I I have no I have no sympathy for myself. But I I guess the point is is like I I don't care about myself. Like I I don't care if my life was miserable. As long as I feel like the pharaoh who left a bunch of cool shit in his tomb, like to me, that's that's, that's very interesting to me. I feel like that's so much more important than living well. Like I'd be okay with a, a thousand sleepless nights if I had like one coveted statue in my tomb, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's at, I. You're right that it is very like uh, harsh on myself or kind of self destructive, but it to me it. That's that's the shift in value, I think. Where yeah, in a lot of ways, you're like valuing or loving yourself in some ways, and I, I'm not. It it I yeah I, I can't I I won't at all say that I think it's wrong. I do think it's very difficult. It sounds it sounds like work, and work yeah. fucking sucks. It does, but there's rewards. Along the way, it's yeah, just, I, but I feel it's, like I it's what you see as a reward is different than what I see as a reward. Yeah, different incentive systems. Yeah, that's very Did, interesting. We got to some real, some real deep uh, um, understanding of of each other. I'm, at the end of I, this. I'm glad we d- went down the road. Yeah, I was a little worried to not cover some of the of the last couple things we wanted to touch on, but I I think it was well worth the ride, and I. I do think it'd be kind of funny to speed run the last couple ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm down. <laughs> right, so here's the real question. Which one of us is AI? 
Mm. Which one of us failed the Turing test? <sighs> Let's see. Honestly, your I feel like your answers come off more like a very happy, well-oiled robot who's going to thrive <laughs> <laughs> for centuries to come. And I'm I'm Alan Turing, and I died trying to solve puzzle I'll never figure out. <laughs> I'm Alan Turing, but I never cracked the Enigma code. <laughs> and no one remembered my name. <laughs> I, I'm the AI that got programmed and then became obsolete within a couple months. <laughs> Dude, that's actually really funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we speed run ideas and get out of here? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Why don't people speed run podcasts more often? <laughs> it's so funny. All right, people are cheating in chess. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big scandal. There's this really good chess player named Magnus. He's one of the top in the world, and he refused to play this other dude named Hans, who has previously admitted to cheating. In his youth, he's cheated before, and he is currently an American grandmaster. Like, crazy good. But the the top players in the world of chess refuse to play him right yeah. now. And this came out of allegations of cheating. And there was a recent report done by chess.com because there's two types of games. There's over the board and under the board chess games. Under the board are games that take place online, typically through chess.com. And chess.com.com, you get elo rankings your ranking of how good you are and people play games constantly right mm -hmm. but these games while they aren't necessarily as important as the over the board or real world games they can be very important and they get you to the level that you're playing other grandmasters and stuff so they didn't they have chess.com has some of the best anti-cheat algorithms and analysis of game moves of like almost anything else in the world like top level security of like analyzing if your each move of the chess piece is authentic or not they're like it, it's wild and they analyze every fucking move so every move is going through algorithms of how perfect the perfect computer could play each game and they analyze every outcome so there's this dude hans who has previously admitted to cheating now the top players in the world don't want to play him. The U.S. championship chess tournament, whatever, starts next week. And right before it started, this big analysis came out on Hans because all these allegations of cheating. Harvard and other top data scientists from all over the world are analyzing every single move of all of his games because he... He played really good for, as, as a younger man, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, he played at the top level. He had the most explosive rise to ever happen in the history of chess. Some of his games were above 90% perfect, which is unheard of, and a real suspicion has aroused. Now, the world of chess, I figure any controversy is a good thing for the chess world, because it's got a ton of eyes on the sport going into these championships yeah. and these math nerds need all the help they yeah. can get. <laughs> but 
there is a problem because it is very common for people to cheat on the under the board or online games. Mm-hmm. And this report just came out analyzing all of Han's games, and it's estimated that he cheated in well over a hundred games. That is the official analysis. They can't say for certain, but it is very, very, very likely he cheated in over a hundred of his ranked online games with some of the best chess players in the world. So he's fucking up the chess game, right? Mm -hmm. Winning all these online games. But there is a question on if he has been cheating in these like world championship level games in person. And they have yet to officially declare, but Magnus, that this top player, felt that in their last match against each other, he was obviously cheating in person. Yeah. Now, now uh, this was important to me, and I so I want to say this: like they had played before, he had beaten him before. This yes. this other grandmaster, he's played many games, he's lost to many people because you know that you can't win them all. He's like been beaten by like you know the the really young kid. He's like like I don't think he's like ten years old or whatever. He's lost a bunch, so it's not like oh he got butt hurt because he lost. It was he lost in and the guy played effortlessly. Yeah, that's what even like the crowd was saying. And and he can't explain his moves after the matches. Mm-hmm. There's like all these weird elements to it. So part of this controversy, this is the interesting part. Because I I had asked you before we've been recording if you knew how they are accusing him of cheating. Right. I don't know. So on the internet stuff, that's easy. But in the real world, there's been tons of people throughout the years that have tried watches, mini headsets, all those things. And in many ways, the chess world is hip to that. They'll do some basic inspections before yeah you definitely can't take your phone in there or anything like that there has been a a problem people using their phones in the bathrooms like stash phones during breaks because some of these games will go long but generally all that stuff is locked the fuck down now you can't wear a watch or anything around your wrists uh they check you for earpieces all that shit but (laughs) the theory that's in that really sparked this public outcry that he is a cheater is from a Reddit post. (laughs) Now, this could be an exaggeration, but supposedly someone made a Reddit post accusing Hans of cheating. And they said that he is doing it with a remote control butt plug. Now, whoa, the theory is is you could, there's programs now, they, all these algorithms that will tell you which move is as close to 100% perfect as possible. So the theory is, is that <laughs> he has a butt plug that is remote controlled that vibrates. And <laughs> as he's playing his games, <laughs> someone else is running all the pieces through <laughs> simulations. And buzzing him in a code to help inform his moves. <laughs> now, the problem with this is, <laughs> unless they do full body cavity searches, 
it would be near impossible to catch someone in the act. <laughs> Jesus fuck. <laughs> and now so there's no there's no definitive truth to this, right? This is just a, a random Reddit post. But it got a ton of momentum and that supposedly is in turn what sparked this whole controversy, right? To to more and more people looking into his cheating. And now all of these young people are creating, they're inspired. People are making these devices and selling them like that. <laughs> Dude, everyone is like hyped up on chess right now and trying to build the best butt plug to shoot with. It is so fucking funny, Dude, how crazy is that? Oh, god damn. Sometimes I really hate this planet, but sometimes I really love it. Yeah, I mean, it seems That's... like he de- definitely cheats online or has cheated online before. It's hard to say if he has in person or not. But this theory, and and the the guy Magnus he's playing, has publicly accused him of cheating and refused to play him. So now this this U.S. tournament's coming up, and some of the very few top players above Hans, the potential cheater, don't want to play him because he might have a vibrating. <laughs> so wild, you know there. So there's there's two two sides of this. The way I react to this, the two sides is like like I just did in in thinking, you know, this is this is, I don't know. I think it's awesome the way that the world react. You know, how the world of chess reacted to it, and there are people that are like, oh, we gotta we gotta market on Analyze this. We gotta make everything. Yeah. Turn around and design tools that can be used that way. Then the the second the the other side of the coin is if if these people that can jump on something this quickly and, uh, you know, dedicate time and effort and money to put their, put their time and resources toward like actual problems, Mm -hmm. like how that could affect a change. Like how, you know, like, could we (laughs) solve, yeah, we, could we solve the trash problem if if we, uh, took that butt plug energy and put it towards something better, you know, could we solve, (laughs) you know, world crises if we put energy into it? Maybe, but you know, these are our priorities and <laughs> it's really interesting. So I'll, I'll actually speed run these last couple things. So there's, there's been other cheating this week outside of just chess. Uh-huh. I know about one of them. The poker one. No, the fish one. Okay. Yeah. The fish one, a bunch of dudes have been stuffing lead weights in their fish. Which is in one dude's catches, they found eight. It's like eight pounds of lead. Yeah, shot and Jesus weight. fuck! It's wild. That was in Ohio too. <laughs> Do you and, see the videos of the crowds like like yeah getting real pissed? That looked like a sketchy situation. Yeah, cheating in a fishing competition in Ohio. So the I I love the the dichotomy between the reactions of the people, the participants involved, where like the chess the chess world is like. People are mad, but they're like, I just won't play him again. Yeah. You know, like it's like a silent, like I'm silent pissed. The the fishing community, they're like ready oh to fucking God, kill this him. guy. <laughs> yeah, they are ready to lynch this, these motherfuckers. Dude, it really was like that. That yeah. was the vibe. 
Yeah, and the guy's just standing there, and they're all, like, crowding around him, like, dude, yeah, like, there had to be a moment in his head where he thought that he was going to die. If not right then, someone's going to fucking, you know, bomb his house that night or some shit. There's big prize money in those fishing tournaments, too. It's, like, it's, it's some serious shit. And then, also, in poker, there was a really interesting exchange where this woman was playing in a tournament, and... That she, she basically won this round of poker. She beat a guy who had a really good hand, and it was a a cash tournament, right? Mm-hmm. And the 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 pot was over two hundred thousand dollars. Jesus! And she decided not to fold on a hand that was garbage. Like she had no like for professional poker players she had no business staying in the in that round and this guy had a really decent hand and lost and all these videos surfaced of after the guy loses all his money and she like takes a break during the the tournament her being accosted by the guy who staked the guy who lost the money, some some drama happened and she ended up offering to give the guy all his money back. But then that raised suspicions of why would she give him the money back if she wasn't cheating. And then all these videos started turning up of as she's holding on to this hand, her chair is vibrating and they think there was a cell phone. Or a butt plug. Yeah, some sort of vibrating device telling her to to hold on like she had a chance or whatever. But she could have just been bouncing her leg. Yeah. She could have just been bouncing her leg. Like there's no definitive proof at all. There very well may have had something happened, but there's no information about it yet. Like there, there just isn't enough data to say anything definitively, but people are taking sides hardcore whether she's innocent or guilty in their minds people are like real fucking pissed about it some real high stakes is this dress gold and white or blue and black (laughs) yeah man two hundred thousand dollars a hand it was two hundred and sixty nine thousand god damn so yeah a lot of cheaters going on lots of drama lots of scandals there was some stuff i wanted to touch on about the british Museum of Arts, they're taking, they're refusing to to hand over these statues that were stolen from the Greek pantheon, pantheon, yeah, and uh, Greece is petitioning them for their art back. There's some interesting conversations to have about that, about stolen arts and antiquities, but I think we should just end on a very brief talk about Queen Elizabeth II and her passing. The queen is dead. Just just weeks before we were going to have her on the podcast. Mere weeks before. Now, what's pretty interesting is the internet and social media particularly has celebrated her death quite a bit. Mm-hmm. A lot of especially a lot of younger people. But meanwhile, you know, she died peacefully in her Scottish estate, and Britain and people across Europe are mourning her death 
waiting in line. And the lines were as long as two miles at some parts. They're waiting 20 hours in line. Yeah. Just to pay respects to her stupid fucking coffin. And there's a, a real interesting conversation on whether it's acceptable or not to for people to be critical of her death or, or to celebrate her passing. Celebrating you your, celebrating your is your- weird, but I think it's fair to not give a fuck for sure. I think it's, I mean, it's definitely. Apathy is acceptable to you, but not joyish. Uh, yeah, uh, I celebrating think. Celebrating someone's death. Yeah, I think that's, I think that part's weird. You know, not I guess not weird. That's not the right word. It's overly Implied. normal. <laughs> I think it's just that it the fact that it's normal is is weird. I think the it is a bit. Yeah, it's like we were just talking about earlier, where you know, like people are like celebrating the death of like serial killers and whatever, and like that's wild. The idea of the queen. She's worse than a serial killer. Well, so that regardless of that, <laughs> regardless of that hot take, the. I'm not sure if I'm even joking. Yeah. Did, yeah. Did the queen and her family do worse deeds than the, the sexual abuse, murder, and cannibalism of. They definitely had an effect on a, a much a broader, you know, scale of people. But but look at, I mean, like what what is the royal family anymore? What is what does it mean to be a part of the royal family other than a celebrity ship? It's a way to honestly the answer because they don't have true political power anymore. Right, it's what ceremonial. They, what they are is a form of celebrity for their country that brings in a lot of funding, tourism and money to the people. Yeah. Like they their practical function is to advocate for their country and to make money. Yeah. The problem is is they are they may make their people and country more money than they take. That would be my guess. But they are still the ultimate symbol of tyranny, oppression, and greed. Right. To me, I think that makes it commendable to celebrate her death. But I don't think it's like a a kind thing to do. But I think on on an idea level, fuck that bitch. Yeah. No, yeah, no. I, I mean, that's how I feel too. Is like when I when I first saw. I mean, we we sent each other memes about it, but <laughs> the uh, you know just days after we put out, or just a day after we put out that Russian roulette podcast, the yeah, the Queen's dead. The yeah, no, I, I don't. Like I said, I I feel like I just I don't I don't give a shit enough to even to really care one way or another i do i will say i think it's i think it's far stranger that people are you know waiting in line to pay their respects and all this shit like oh my goodness i find it more understandable if they were like oh this is a good thing i can post on you know my i have the day off today and tomorrow like i'm gonna whatever uh, uh post this on my instagram and like 
my truth social networking. Yeah, you know, whatever. You know, they find their way of making it about them. I find that much more real than they felt such a strong attachment to this old bitch and their dynasty. <laughs> the thing is, is I feel like even more than her, like, right? Like, we're mocking her death. And her inbred corgis. Yeah, but even more than that, shouldn't we be condemning her successors? Shouldn't we be attacking the family? She's already dead. She's she's no longer a threat. We should be attacking the family while they're vulnerable. <laughs> I mean, more than anything, right? They're I mean, they're also still not a threat though. They're literal kings and queens and princes. Like if in, we were in by in in like theory and ceremony only. It's like that is enough though. It's that like is, it's like when, you know, uh people come and they, they have give a speech full of gold. When they while have celebrities are give starving? I mean shouldn't we all rise together and dismantle? I mean absolutely they, they the opulence doesn't is is doesn't deserve to exist. That, I know I know yeah. you feel that way. I'm, so, I'm pushing it. Yeah, so so what I mean, what I what I related to is like they are, you know, kings and queens in the same way that a celebrity that comes to a school and gives a, you know, a, a university and gives like the the speech at graduation or whatever. They give them like an honorary diploma or, you know, whatever. Like that's, you know, an honorary PhD or whatever. It's like you're not a doctor, but they you came and you did a thing and they appreciate it. So they gave you a thing. And. Like, that's, I don't know, in, in the way that, yes, they have wealth that could be distributed in, in places where it's more, you know, useful. Yes, that's absolutely a thing. That being said, I, I don't know, I just, the, the whole, I'm, I've spent my life being so detached and not giving a fuck about it. It's just so symbolic. Like, I think it's really goofy that, like, um pundits or politicians or whatever be surprised like kings and queens are the actual symbol of tyranny yeah like that they, they represent oppression and theft and genocide and all kinds of things that people who don't have things will will covet or be angry against like mm. it, it just seems it seems like we've moved into an age of no longer accepting it to be acceptable for people to have a birthright to be better than us mm. right like that's what democracy social whatever like we've decided as modern countries this is no longer okay for people to be born a level higher than us for them to to be closer to god than us right that yeah they deserve to have the things we work for and i know while it you know they don't have that level of control or power or the same level of greed they still represent that and i i don't i feel like even if it's just ideologically like we should be stripping all of those things from them so here's Here's where, so from what I understand, like the, 
aside from being like delegates and representatives of the country, what do what do they do? So like representative for like what what are they issues? Like that's what no I mean so like yeah like like what do they do to like create income for the family, I guess is what I'm getting at. So like what is it like a military involvement that they, you know, if you're going to be the prince, then you have to be involved with, you know, in some way or another. Like, I don't know these things. I don't, I literally don't know. Their spokespersonness, their attraction of wealth, their relationships to other countries create funding for things like not for themselves, but like, you know, like princess Diana, like she raised awareness and money for, tons of different social issues like at their best that's what they're doing they're advocating for their people they're raising money for good things or attention at their worst they're covering sexual abuse scandals and day drinking all day like so so what 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 the point i'm getting at is where where does their the money that they are that money that they bring in where does it come from Tons of different things from their own people, from other countries, from politics, anything. I mean, it depends on what they're advocating for. So I think there's ways that can be done super ethically for the best of all people and and very unethically. And I, I would even go so far as to say they probably did it more ethically than not. But it's the fact that they're able to do that that is unjust. Mm-hmm. That they're they're born in a position that they are given all the means, opportunity, and control to to have that throne to sit on and so make those deals. It's not their fault that they were born in that situation. It's their fault they kept it. Or you can say that well, if they try to do the best with the means that they are given, then that would be acceptable. They're born I, I into disagree. means and they, if they, so like, what's, what's the, what do you do then? So like you're, you're a kid and you're raised around this and that's just the fucking way shit is because you're a kid and you don't know any better and you're raised this way through your life. And if you're given the means and the opportunity to, to do something honest and good with it, I, well, you know, I, two, two of them just left the royal family, right? Less than at, genuine ethical reasons there was other you know parts at play right but they still stepped away but it's like um you know we've said it all the time about people who are born into a church like it it's not their fault but at some point it is into adulthood or at at certain parts of their life when they make a decision to stay with it forever it it becomes their fault I would I would argue that the difference is when you're born to a church, it's a choice that you are making at a certain point to leave. When and and you can leave, you know, more or less your family, but it's still you are still born that way. Like people still re- refer to them yeah. as, oh, that's the prince or whatever. It's like it doesn't matter. It would you you could, well you can't change you can't take that part away. Well, the this family disowned the last to that left and even if even if you know you're always going to be thought of as that i I think this i I think i think what we're kind of getting at is you're saying essentially 
that the practical matters of it all is mm-hmm. what really matters. Mm-hmm. And that you might very well be right, but I think the sim- the symbolic nature of what these titles and the, the the relationships they choose to relationships and roles they choose to embrace or distance themselves from i i think the symbology of it matters just as much i i definitely understand the argument of they should you know if if you realize that you're uh, you know participating in, in this overbearing sense you know uh, um industry yeah the, this tyranny shit, yeah. yeah then you know you shouldn't be involved and, and you should leave but i think there's also a powerful thing that you know you can reverse you, yeah like, yeah try yeah. to try to you know you're, you're not going to take that away right 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 but i'm saying like that's not the only opportunity that's not the only choice to make that you know can i don't know Make it better. Yeah, exactly. I, I I know what you mean. I think that's a very positive way to because the the alternative is is everyone leaves and then it's uh you know everyone loot the the royal throne and that sounds awesome. It sounds it sounds awesome. Don't get me wrong, but raid the throne room, right? <laughs> well, either way, she's dead. That's good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it got late. You want to call it a night? Yeah, I'm good. Cool. Um, I don't know what we're doing next week, but I'm sure it will be super cool. Yeah, I'm sure we'll figure that shit out. Yeah, we uh, should talk uh, tomorrow for sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Thank you to Approaching Human for the use of his music. You can find his work on SoundCloud at Approaching-Human. Thanks, John. Uh, make sure to check out the show page at Trash Cats Trashcast on Instagram for news and arts from the show. Check out Facebook for the memes. For the memes. If you're super bored, you can check out my trash yard on Instagram at Skyzix, S-K-Y-Z-I-C-X. We mention a lot of different like honorable mention e stuff, so check out that cool stuff, and then uh, we'll see you guys next week. Hell yeah, that's going to be all for us today. Stay classy, eat trashy. Go fast, eat trashy.